Welcome and thank you for taking the time to listen to the Word of God released through Randolph Barnwell. Randolph is the founder and senior elder of Gate Ministries Durban Central. Be encouraged to access free additional resources for your edification at randolphbarnwell.com. Great grace, peace and mercy from Christ be multiplied to you as you listen to this teaching. You know, I could teach on any topic, any theme right now. This issue of grace, I want to say this to you, is of the Lord for now for you. If it's of the Lord for now for you, therefore implies there's a quantum of grace, a download of grace, a measure of grace that God has earmarked for you to access it now. Do you recall me saying to you, March is grace download month? Right? I said, I don't know how this is going to work. But in the month of March, unusual grace is going to come to all of us. And literally, for those of you who were present, it was almost tangible. At times, I almost felt like waves of impartation to my spirit. And I've become all the more enriched and all the more ennobled by the grace I've received. Remember what grace is. And I was so pleased when Sam quoted this definition. Sam Salon also said, and he quoted Thamo when he said grace is the very substance of God as spirit. The very essence of everything that comprises God as spirit. When that comes to you, it affects you in a certain way. Sam spoke of five economies of grace, which we will get to and unpack for you so that you can understand them. But it comes to you in a particular fashion to affect your person, to uh, configure your sonship, as we have said, and to empower your function in God. Grace does two things. I spoke about two primary effects, remember? It configures who I am in terms of my sonship in Christ, and it enables me, it empowers me to fulfill my specific function in the Lord. And for that we use as a text where Paul says, I am what I am by the grace of God. Then he said, I work. So I am by grace, and then he said, I work by grace. Grace configures who I am, and grace empowers what I am called to do. In your business, you need grace. You can either work by the sweat of your brow and attempt to, to work things and get results, or you can tap into grace and let that grace work in and through your life and get results. Everyone say results. Right? You know, there, there are far more results of grace than we've covered up to this point. And in subsequent weeks, we will, we will lay out from the Scriptures the things that grace accomplishes when accessed. Okay? Grace has definite outcomes. Grace has definite results, which we'll talk about. Last week, though, I started an emphasis, which I want to continue today, and probably will wrap up this specific emphasis in the series. We started talking about apostolic grace last week. Apostolic grace. I said this to you. God has given the body of Christ five distinct gifts of grace. They are located in Ephesians chapter 4. And the Bible says, And he gave some to be apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers. And if you read the context, the preceding verses says, We have all received, Paul said, we have all received grace according to the measure of the gift of Christ. He, Christ, gave some to be apostles, pastors, evangelists, teachers and apostles and teachers for the equipping of the saints for the work of ministry. So what? notice how he argues. He first says, we have received grace according to the measure of the gift of Christ. Then he says, there are five of us. Our objective is this. We want to equip every saint for the work of ministry. So question, does every saint need to be exposed to fivefold ministry? Yes or no? Yes. Does every saint need apostolic, prophetic, evangelistic? You think evangelism is only for the lost? No. An evangelist is for the equipping of the saints too, according to the text. Uh, the spirit and grace of an evangelist, when imparted to you, will cause you to have a passion for the lost. And you will win the lost. The grace of pastor and the grace of teacher, all five are designed for the equipping of the saints for the work of ministry. Right? Until we all come to a perfect man, it says, into the unity or the oneness of the body of 
Christ unto a perfect man, unto the fullness of the stature of the measure that belongs to Christ. A perfect man. Everyone say maturity. The buzzword today is maturity. God has many children, few sons. Sonship is the Greek word euios most times. And it relates to a mature position where the father can bequeath his estate to the son to, to represent him. The son will represent the father and manage the father's will, reflect the father's nature on behalf of the father. That's a mature position. Tell you now, but that is where we are going. That is where we are going. I'm sure you've, if you've been part of this house for a while now, you should be maturing, should be growing up. Should be more mature now than you were even a year ago. Right? And I want to encourage you this is the objective of fivefold ministry. Paul argues, I've received grace according to the measure of Christ's gift. Five of us. So why then am I terming this? If there are five, and five is the number of grace, why then, Randolph, are you terming this particular session accessing apostolic grace? If grace attends all five, as you've said, why term it? Apostolic grace. I argued last week that while there are five gifts, all fivefold or ascension gifts ministries must be linked to the gift of the apostle for them to function effectively. Why did we say that? I'm going to quickly run through this. We said, for example, in 1 Corinthians 12, 28, it says, He set some in the church, first apostles, then prophets, third teachers, then helps, administrations, and other gifts. Everyone say first apostles. Second prophets, third teachers, it says. That ordering is not ranking for who is better than the other. That ordering is ranking for functionality. Right? How many persons in the Godhead? Father, Son, and? Talk to me. Are they all equal, co-equal? Yes. They're all co-equal in terms of their status, but they're all functionally different. In terms of ranking, the Father is the head. Not so? The Son and the Holy Spirit. Right? That ranking does not suggest that one is qualitatively better than the other. Ranking in the kingdom is not for qualitative superiority. Ranking in God's kingdom is for functional effectiveness. Are you my brother in the Lord? Yes or no? Come on, talk to me. Right? Am I your leader or your spiritual father? Yes or no? Yes. In God's economy of the house, there is rank in terms of one who leads and others follow. Do you know that while I am your father in the Lord, I am not qualitatively better than you. We stand equal before God. Right? We are both bruised. We are sons in the Lord. We are father's sons. But he is simply endowed one with a capacity for leadership for functional effectiveness. If you neglect the protocol of God for how he works, and not according to the one that God has placed over you, the necessary honor and accord, the function of God is aborted. Okay? So it's purely for functional effectiveness. So it says, he said some first, everyone say first? Protos, first in order, rank, time, and place in the Greek it says. So first, apostles, second, prophets, third, teachers, and then other helps, etc. Then we, we read something that's very important. In Ephesians, I think it's 2.20, if I'm not mistaken. Just put up on the board, um, Luke. It says, and also Ephesians 3.5, but Ephesians 2.20 first says the following. We are built on what? Come on, talk to me. We are built on? You know, this, is, this might sound like a theological lecture to you. You're saying, Randolph, I have severe needs at home. You come and talk about apostles. I'm here to in- inform you. Listen to me. If you truly understand what grace attends these ministries, and if you access the grace, your issues will be sorted out. It, it's a matter of what? How does God come to me? Who'd like a personal meeting with the Lord tonight? Come on. God must send you an email, say, this means just Bruce. Bruce, I would like to meet you at 7. I'm preaching up personally. I'm coming. Right? So Bruce goes to, let's say, the Lord says, meet me on Durban North Beach. Right? He's on the beach. The Lord pitch up. Where are you? In what form are you going to come? And let's say I pitch up. <laughs> Hope you're not disappointed. 
You know, God is spirit, but he comes to men in their world of time, matter, and space, vested in humans. That's why when the Christ came, nobody recognized his coming. Only Mary, Joseph, a few wise men, Simeon, Anna. Right? The entire religious establishment in the day of Christ, in the New Testament, was totally oblivious to the greatest coming of God to the earth. Because he came in a way not expected. He came as a frail baby, not born in a kingly palace, born in a dirty manger. The way God comes to you might offend you. But it's God coming to you. Right? So don't think that we are deifying men. Listen carefully. When we speak highly of leaders like, like the way we do, let me just allay your fears. We are not worshipping men. We are not placing demigod status on men. Or we are recognizing, we are saying, this is the way he comes to me. This is the manner God comes to me. Okay? Paul said to the Galatians in Galatians 4, When I came to you, you received me as an angel of God, even as Christ himself. The Galatian context received Paul as Christ himself. So apostles and prophets, watch, having built on the foundation of apostles and prophets, Christ Jesus being the, the cornerstone. Apostolic ministry provides a foundation together with the prophetic solid foundation. And then 3 verse 5 is important. Who'd like to know mysteries here? Quickly. You want to know the mysteries of God? Want to decode your Bible? Want, want to move past the, the blur? Want, to, want a spirit of understanding must, must come into me so I can see things clearly? Do you know? To whom God has revealed mysteries? To who? It says, as it has now been revealed to who? To holy apostles. In other words, not ordinary apostles because there are many fly-by-night apostles on the earth today. Not everybody who has a, a card saying apostle so-and-so is an apostle. Please be very careful. Be guarded. Not everyone who carries the title is authentic. Right? In fact, if you belong to our, if you know our circles, all of the men to whom we relate to as apostles, with Thamo being the primary one in our circle and others that he exposes us to, like the men that ministered to us this week, all of them are even totally against the use of the term apostle so-and-so. When they introduced themselves, they said, I am Thamo Naidu. I am Sam Solin. My name is John Alley. I am Joseph Matera. Right? You only use a title when you have insecurities. When you know who you are in Christ, call me what you want. When you pray to Jesus, do you bend the knee and say, Oh, apostle of the heavens. Eh? When, when, you, when you talk to him, although if the book of Hebrews says that he's the apostle and high priest of our faith. says it, He is an apostle. Hebrews tells us Jesus is apostolic. Tell your neighbor, Jesus is apostolic. It refers to him as the apostle but when we talk to him, you know, you know, I like to jibe, particularly when we travel in Africa. This is rife in Africa, the insistence of titularity, bishop and title. It's not wrong to use those terms, but when you insist upon them to how people relate to you, it tells me you yourself are insecure in what you are, right? And so I often joke to them, you know, when you pray to the Lord, do you call him Apostle Jesus? Jesus likes his name. That's why we call him Jesus. We should like our names as well. So we introduce ourselves as Randolph. I'm Randolph. So I'm Randolph Barnwell by the name. I tell your neighbor his name is Randolph. Anybody here, young or old, has permission to call me by that name. Because I know in your heart, if there's a spirit of respect and honor, I don't need the title to affirm that. It's not about titles. It's about the position of your, of your heart. Amen? So, um, so it says, for example, mysteries are revealed to holy apostles and prophets in the Spirit. So the Holy Spirit, let me just say this, you have no choice in the matter. This is how God works. He sovereignly decided my mysteries in the Scriptures will be decoded to a configuration that I will set in the earth called apostles and prophets. That is why I believe, if you see 1 Corinthians 12, 28, if apostles are first, and if Ephesians 2.20 says they are foundational, then all of the other subsequent gifts like prophets, 
uh, evangelists, pastors, and teachers must all be apostolic, must all be connected to an authentic apostolic grace. Not so? Do you remember Simon the sorcerer in the book of Acts? Do you remember that story? He got saved under whose ministry? Under Philip, remember? Philip went to Samaria. By what ministry was Philip? What was he? According to the fivefold. Philip was an evangelist. So Simon, who dealt in wicked magic arts, divinity, was saved under his ministry. But do you know the Bible says, when the apostles at Jerusalem heard what was happening in Samaria, the Bible said they sent, I think it was Peter and John, down to see what was happening. When Peter and John came there, they looked at Simon and said to him, you are in the gall of bitterness and in the bonds of iniquity. Repent of your sin. Why did they say that? Remember he offered them money to receive the, the gift of praying for people in the, in the Holy Spirit. Do you know the, the eyes of the evangelist could not discern that, but the eyes of the apostolic prophetic picked it up immediately. Right? Who loves apostolic prophetic? You know, many people do not. You know why? You, anything, I want to say this as a, as a witness over this house. When you come into an apostolic prophetic environment, you can't hide for too long. You can't hide for too long. That is why in Ephesians 4 it says it's intent on perfecting you. You can hide and do whatever you want to in many contexts. But apostles love Jesus. They are holy apostles and prophets. To whom mysteries have been revealed in the Spirit. Their intent is to make sure that what we build in terms of our lives, but particularly within church corporate structure, is biblical, is by design. So they bring us back to the, blue, to the blueprint. Okay? I'm taking too long to summarize what we did last time. But I think it's of the Lord. <laughs> okay? Listen to me. So then, watch. If apostolic grace, or grace generally, attends apostles together with prophets, these two have a unique partnership in the Bible, by the way. Always see these two together, apostles and prophets. Okay? For example, it says, when Babylon finally falls, who rejoices? It says, and the apostles and prophets rejoice at the fall of Babylon. Right? You, they're passionately concerned that the purposes of God be fulfilled in the earth. So, they, they exist today, by the way, brethren. They exist today. I read a text to you in Romans 5, or 1 verse 5. Paul says he's given us grace and apostleship. Just look it up. Remember? Everyone say grace and apostleship. So, do you want grace? Right? We've, he's talking as an apostle, we have received grace and apostleship to do what? What's the objective? What's the outcome? Come talk to me. To bring about what? Obedience. So, ask your neighbor, how is your levels of obedience? Now, okay, don't answer them because it might be a long time for some of you. <laughs> I'm just joking. Watch. He says, we've, we, we've, we have received grace and apostleship. I said to you last week, if I were to ask anyone in this congregation, who wants to receive more grace? Because you need grace. It's going to make you, it's going to empower you, it's going to help you overcome a lot of things. But if I then offer to you, I say, you've got to access this bottle to get the water. How is the grace, the water, packaged? You can't say to me, I want the contents, but I don't want the bottle. You can't get the grace without the way in which, without embracing its packaging. I am saying to you, grace is available, brethren. God put it in men, called fivefold ministries. Apostles being the foundation of the entire lot. And they come to you to dispense the grace of God to you. You cannot want the grace without embracing the packaging in which it comes to you. Right? That's why I moved heaven and earth to be where I was this weekend. By the way, we will make Sam Solon's teachings available. From last weekend in uh, Peter Maddisburg, I've never heard teaching like that regarding how to understand your personal suffering. He spoke on why does God permit us to suffer? What, what's God up to with all of these things happening in our lives? Right? Five powerful sessions. This week I've given myself, the week coming to, to, 
to work tirelessly in the office to get the resources up to date. By next week, Sunday, you will have a CD available for all to receive. Whether you have the tender or not, it's not the issue. You must have a CD of this next week. Of of Sam's five sessions on, on how to understand suffering. That's critical. Also, there will be two other CDs containing the 15 sessions of this week's whole conference available to you. So, our intent, what is my intent? Everyone say grace. I'm not concerned whether you have the money or not. My concern is each one here must be filled with the grace of God. And you know when these apostles and prophets come, and they, they come packaged with grace, how do they impart that grace? They impart it by speaking. Simple, eh? You thought there was deep revelation today. <laughs> they impart that grace by preaching or simply by, by speaking. They imparted through doctrine. Right? They imparted through doctrine. And I gave you, I don't want to go through all the verses. Please, when this particular series is ready, the first CD of grace will be ready in about two or three weeks' time. I will encourage you, if you're a good student of the Scriptures, work through the Scriptures and consult all the references. I won't have time for that now because I want to get to where we, where we need to emphasize for today. Okay? So Paul says, We proclaim Him, teaching every man with all wisdom, that we might present every man perfect in Christ Jesus. To this end I labor, according to His mighty work, with work mightily within me. What, what is he saying? This is Colossians 1, 28 and 29. He says, Him I proclaim. Everyone say proclaim. So Paul is saying, I, I speak, I proclaim. Then he says, I admonish, I teach, I preach. Why? Because I want to present every man perfect in, in Christ. How can an apostle perfect people? By teaching, preaching, admoni- ad- admonishing. Because in the act of the delivery of the word of God, the grace of God is imparted to all to receive. Amen? And then we looked at Acts 20, just quickly, this verse is important to us. Acts 20, verse 32. Uh, Paul spent, I think, a few, three years with the Ephesian elders, teaching them the ways of the Lord, okay? Uh, Imparting grace to them. And on his departure, what did he say? How many of you have heard this term this week? I was amazed, literally, all the apostles, when they concluded their sermon this week, most of them said, now I commend you to God. They quoted, now I commend you to God and to the word of His grace that is able to build you up and give you the inheritance amongst all those that are sanctified. You know, you know when I hear those words, I don't sign off and say, oh, he's closing down, he's shutting down his message now. It's time to say bye-bye until the next session. When the man says, now, brethren, I commend you to God, And to the word of his, how does grace come? In words, not so? In the act of speaking, grace is imparted. I take that very seriously. I sit there, and in my heart I say, I receive. Everyone say, I receive. Now in Africa, this is a common term, I receive. Ashom, wherever we go in Africa, if I say to them, I bless you guys, whole church says, I receive. And they do this, I receive. It's a very good mindset, okay? Because sometimes we say certain things, and people sit there unresponsive. You don't just say anything, but most people sit disconnected in their hearts. So tell your neighbor we receive. I like this text because it says, Grace, I commend you to God and to the word of His grace that is able to build you up and to give you the inheritance amongst all the saints which are sanctified. So it's the word of grace that you need to hear. The word of grace. I will encourage you all, don't miss John Alley tomorrow night. You're going to be missing something Found. It's like God sending you a text. I want to meet with you, but I, I'm going to come to you packaged in my apostle. If you want me, if you want me, take the package and drink. Amen? Grab a hold of the package. You can't want grace without embracing the grace carrier. You embrace the grace carrier, you embrace the grace of God. Amen? Now, okay, we see this. Remember in John 6, we did the feeding of the 5,000 a few weeks ago. What is the number of grace? Five, eh? Five, in biblical uh, numerology, 
depicts grace. Dr. Segi went at length to describe, I want to go to that now, in the conference, why do we, uh, images of five meaning grace in the scriptures. So five means grace. How many loaves were there at the feeding of the 5,000? Five loaves, not so. Loaves is a depiction of the word of God, not so. Man will not live by bread alone, but by every word. So we have a representation of word. So grace is always packaged in words. To whom, now here's the deal. If you look at that story from this vantage point. To whom did God, Jesus, the source of grace, full of grace and truth, according to John 1.14, to whom did he give bread to? To who? Come on, talk to me. Did Jesus give it directly to the people? He gave it to the twelve. What is twelve? Number twelve, twelve disciples, twelve apostles. The number twelve in biblical numerology indicates the apostolic principle. So grace, he is full of grace and true. He is the word made flesh. He takes symbolically the word and he, he, he distributes himself. This is now symbolic. I'm speaking allegorically. He distributes himself packaged in words in an apostolic principle in 12 people the 12 go to who to 12 well not 12 literally 100 if you work i think 5000 men remember not counting women and 5000 men not counting women and children and they're all sitting in groups of what mark was very specific the miracle didn't just happen there was great structure and order so groups of 50. Each they were group sitting down. Everyone says sit down. <laughs> Indicates a posture of reception. Jesus gave detailed instructions. 50 men, not counting women and children, supposing or suggesting that the men were leaders of households with their families. So this is what normally happens. An apostle is usually sent to a constellation of churches, a group of households that embrace him as an apostle, sent to them. He comes with the bread, and you see, it has the capacity of multiplying in the man. And he distributes that word, that grace flows to multiple communities globally. Come on, talk to me. So five loaves? What is five? Grace, not so? Where does grace go? Grace goes to a representation of twelve. So in the twelve are the five. Right? In the twelve are the five. And in the five are the twelve. Uh, I'm speaking symbolically. But we'll, not too much for a Sunday morning. My point, brethren, is that the bread multiplied in the hands of an apostolic principle. So grace comes to us. Amen. So grace comes to us. The manna, the feeding of the manna of Israel journeying in the wilderness. Where did the manna fall? Under the cloud. If you were not under the cloud, no manna for you. Who directed Israel to the cloud? Moses. There was an apostolic leader vested in the person of Moses. Wherever the cloud went, he would direct the nation. Because where the cloud was, the manna fell. Who went out to collect the manna? Everybody? whole house just runs out in the morning. Oh, manna, 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 manna. No, no, no. God was very specific. Each one stay in his house. The leader of the house go out to collect manna, and it says, enough for his house. And it says, some collected more, and some less, but no house lacked. In other words, your house's capacity for grace can grow. And your father will ensure that he will have positioned the house for the reception of grace according to the need and the capacity of the house. So the father of the house, so watch, this is, Moses, apostolic figure. Father of the house, it's like a, a spiritual father or an elder like myself in charge of a household. God dispenses grace um, under the direction of Moses leading us. I have the opportunity of going to that leadership or that directive, accessing the manner, the grace, and bringing it back to my house too, to impart. Okay? So everyone say apostolic grace. I know this is more like a leadership session than anything else, but listen carefully. I am the elder of this household. I'm the senior elder, the senior father, pastor, 
By the way, there's no New Testament basis for calling the leader of a church pastor, something we've inherited through church tradition. Call me elder, call me whatever you want to. I like my name. (laughs) Point is, I'm an elder. I have an apostolic oversight who is my father in the Lord. I access apostolic grace from that. I come to you, my sons in the Lord, and I distribute grace that I've received through the word. Everyone say through the word. Through the word. This connection, I can study all I want to. I can disconnect from my father in the Lord and say, I don't need that principle. I don't need it. I'm going to do my own thing from this point onwards. I'm going to be independent. I'm going to isolate myself. I'm going to have no over, no, no accountability to anybody and do my own thing. We'll, we'll, maybe we'll experience a measure of success. We can meet you every Sunday and carry on relating to nobody and do our own thing. Do you know what? We will die soon enough. We need accountability. God in His methodology has determined that His grace will only flow through that means. I want to say it again. You want the water. Embrace the methodology by which it comes to you. Embrace the methodology by which it comes to you. I'm going to demonstrate everything I'm saying now from the New Testament in the time remaining. And in the whole of next week, Sunday morning service, I will show you how these things actually work in practice. Not from my experience. I could draw from my experience. But I want to demonstrate to them from the, from the Word of God. Okay, From the Word of God. Now, Ephesians chapter 3, verse 1 and 2. Ephesians chapter 3 and verse 1 and 2. Is everybody okay? You're fine. Amen. You still want more grace? Hallelujah. For this reason, I, Paul, the prisoner of Christ Jesus, for the sake of you, Gentiles, if indeed you have heard of what? The stewardship of God's grace, I like what he says here, which was given to, note the phrase, it was given to me, but for you. How, he's arguing, he's got the audacity to say, in a good sense, I have grace given to me for you. He's saying, I have grace given to me, but its intended destination is you, So if you want to access this grace, access me, because I have it given to me for you. Do you know my Father in the Lord has been given grace? God is telling me through His Scripture, you want to access my grace, connect with that man. Again, we're not deifying men. We are are observing protocol of the kingdom. It's a methodology by which God's Word works. And God is sovereign in these instances. It didn't confer with any man. How would you want it if God had conferred with you? My son, I have huge grace for you. How would you like it? God says, no, I've decided that. I've put it in five distinct expressions of my gift, myself, my person to you. If you access that person, and I'll talk later, to what protocols govern your relationship with the person that has received the grace For you to maximize the grace transfer. What must your position and attitude be toward that? Okay? I'll talk more to that later. Right? So I move heaven and earth to be close to my grace carrier. He's living in another city. But any opportunity to be in the same environment as him, I I will make it my priority. Why? I don't worship a man. I want Christ. I want Christ. But he's come packaged in human vessels. I want the bread of heaven. I want the bread of heaven. Grace given to him with me in mind. If you want to paraphrase that, for my context, grace given to someone I do for Randolph Pano. <laughs> for you, then I'm the leader, the elder of this local house, Grace given to Randolph Bonner, but intended for, for, for Rita. Intended for Jolene. Intended for Brad's. Priscilla. Grace. Everyone say grace. 
All I want to, if I go to a conference, is to access grace. All I want to is when I go to a special meeting. When I sit there, like on, on Monday evening, I will sit in the meeting, and I'll, my mind works like this. I've made a lot of sacrifice to get to this meeting. My whole intent in supporting the meeting, God, I want you. In your wisdom, you've packaged it in human vessels. Your grace is going to make me the better son of God. Your grace is going to empower all that you've called me to do. I want your grace. I will respect the means by which you've sovereignly chosen to package it in. Amen? So I want, to, I want this grace. Uh, ask your neighbor, how badly do you want it? Some of you here made, let me, let me prophesy to some of you. I know your personal circumstances here, many of you in the house. Some of you moved heaven and earth to get to Johannesburg this week. You literally made huge sacrifices. Let me say, God will reward you. You might be in need right now. Prophesy to you, your needs will be well, well met, more than what above you are able to. My heart was so moved when Matthew was so insistent, my eldest son. He's studying in Cape Town. He had a last assessment on, on Thursday. So he could only fly up after. He, I said to him, if you fly up, we can only get a late flight for you. We're going to pick you up late in the evening. You're going to be here for one day, whole day, Friday, and half the day, Saturday, you're going to have to fly back again. You're only going to be here for half the conference. Just rather stay there. You can get the CDs. We will make sure you, 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 you hear the sermons. And he was so passionate. He said, no, I have to be there. I want this grace. Right? I was moved by Sam's anecdotal reference to how that any father will empower his son to rule in the earth. He gave us a powerful, you must hear, you'll hear it when you hear the, the message. A father must empower his children to rule on the earth. So he said to us, his kids run some, I forget what they were involved in, but he literally said to them, whenever you take anybody out for, for lunch at that particular McDonald's, you'll, you'll hear the details of the reference. I can't remember all the fine details. He said to them, and there's anybody on that table that can't afford a, Mac, a, a burger, you pay for them. You rule. You reflect father in your world. You pay the bill. But what does he do as a father to the son that he's instructing the son to do in his world? What must he do? Provide the means, the money. I'll provide the means for you. I don't want you in any of your contexts to act like an orphan. You have a father that will sufficiently resource you to take care of the needs of your world. It's a powerful principle. So Matthew paid his own fare coming up. He literally had, I think it was, what, one seven or something? And we just topped up two or three hundred rand to pay for his flight. And he, he came up. It was the last money he had. It my testimony. It's the last bit of... And you know two boys? My two eldest sons are living together, studying there. And they always have needs. Whenever that phone of mine rings, I know what's it for. <laughs> okay. Dad, we need petrol, this, that. Right? And I'm thinking, hey, come, come. We saw this eye. We'll pick you up. So after we went to our town, we picked him up. He got back. He spent the whole day, Friday and Saturday. Then on Friday evening, the Lord moved my heart in two instances. The Lord said to me, I, I, it was so vivid in my mind. The Lord said to me, put, the Lord said we must give Matthew all the money back that he incurred to get here in the first place as a demonstration of how the Father views him. But he's using us as parents to demonstrate his nature as Father to him. And so Saturday morning we woke him up and we said, I said this to him, because you've prioritized kingdom ways and your love for God and you've, you've made sacrifices to get you. Now the Lord says, the money you've incurred to get you, he's given you back. And we gave him and a bit more. We gave him as a, as a blessing um, of, of an indication that no sacrifice that a son makes to access grace will be overlooked by the father. And the father will position himself to resource the son sufficiently to do his business in his domain. Right? I want to say that to all of you. The things that you've, the, the sacrifices you make to access grace are not really sacrifices. Not really sacrifices. You're building up a legacy within your heart and mind in your whole life. 
You know, one of the most powerful ways of responding to grace and to access more grace is by giving financially. We don't manipulate anybody to give. Manipulation, we don't even mention finance most of the time. But when you understand grace, your natural reciprocal response to it will be to honor it financially. So now, tell your neighbor, expect huge downloads of grace. I will teach on finance in this series because you can't talk about grace without talking about money, but we're going to do it biblically, not to, uh, uh, not to manipulate anybody. If you feel manipulated, don't respond. But if you respond out of conviction, out of understanding, the Lord will meet you. Second Corinthians 9.8 says, in the context of giving, he says, And God is able to make all grace abound to you, so that you at all times, at all, at, at all occasions, will abound unto every good work. Amen? Apostles, let me get to the message. I haven't got to the message yet. Okay, we'll do it in the next 15 minutes or so. Here's what I really want to say to you this morning. Apostles are not over anything. Hierarchically. They're literally under everything. The Bible calls them a foundation. Built under. And foundations, to my knowledge, are never seen. If you see a foundation in the building you're in, get out of the building. Okay? Foundations are not meant to be seen. Uh, that's why, uh, remember what God said to Abraham, I will make you a father of many nations. The word make in both Hebrew and Greek is, uh, the Greek is para, uh, is titemai, which means I will place you as a foundation strategically to uphold everything. So no real father, even a father over the family, while you're the head of the house, hierarchically you're not literally on top. You literally, you're the strength Holding and under, girding everything. Similarly with apostolic fathering. Here's where I really want to get to. Is Paul an apostle or not? Yes or no? He is. But every time he speaks apostolically, he speaks fatherly. When we come to you, we don't stand in the office of our ministerial gifts per se. Like if I stand before you now, I regard myself as a teacher in terms of fivefold. I'm a t- I know I'm a teacher at heart. But when I stand before you, I don't stand at all oh, the mighty teacher is standing before his students. No. I stand before you as a father speaking to my sons. Yes, the grace configuration of the, the measure of Christ's gift in me will manifest didactically in terms of a teaching order. Right? But when I come before you, I don't relate to you as specifically fivefold ascension gift calling my my. What I should be doing biblically is to relate to you as a father in the Lord. The reason why I'm saying this, here's a key, if you forget everything else, here's a key that you must understand today. Key is this. Every person needs a spiritual father. You don't need a pastor per se. You don't need an apostle. You need someone that will father you as a son in the Lord. That person like in terms of this household, will be me. But I have apostolic oversight to whom I relate. To apostles and other prophets within our circles, they decode mysteries of God. I'm connected to that grace. I receive of that grace. Come to my 50, and I distribute the bread and the fish. The needs, your personal needs, are taken care of through accessing the, the grace of God. Father-son model is the hope for the church today. The church is far too business-like. We have more CEOs running churches than fathers. Leadership needs to be fatherly, not business-like. Because God is the father of the families. In fact, the constitution of the church is not really institutional. It's familial. It's family. The church, the house of God, is a Oikos, the word house, Greek oikos, means family. Tell your neighbor we are family. This is the family of God. And all families are headed by fathers, which I suggested are really underpinning everything as a foundation. Note the following references, brethren. Let me read to you a few references in this regard. I'm going to quickly run through them because of, because of, of time. 1 Timothy 1 verse 2. 1 Timothy 1 verse 2. To Timothy, what? My true 
child in the faith. Watch. Grace, mercy, and peace from God our Father and Jesus Christ our Lord. Is Timothy his son in the Lord? Yes or no? Yes. Father stands, an apostle, but he says, you're my child. I'm an apostle, but I speak to you as a father in Christ. In the father-son economy, watch, grace flows most efficiently and efficaciously. It's most efficacious, efficient and most efficacious in terms of its transfer if the quality of relationships between the one who has the grace and the one receiving the grace is one of father and son. You want to say father and son. This is an extremely important point. So you want more grace, I ask people. Yes, we want more grace. I say, do you have any recognizable apostle to whom you relate that you, because God has packaged his mystery, his grace, his doctrine in these, yes or no? Yes, okay. Is that apostle might be your leader specifically, or if not, like I'm not an apostle, or if not, he must be directly and solidly connected to one who is. Right? And he can draw grace from that person. You will see it over and over again in the New Testament. I want to say this again very quickly and very importantly. The most efficient flow of the transfer of the grace of God in any relationship is maximized or amplified when that relationship is one of father and son. Grace flow is maximized in that culture. You can receive grace from anyone that's not your father, by the way, just to bring some balance. Like for this weekend, we received grace from John Alley. We received grace from Matera, from Dr. Segi. He's not our father in the faith, but our father in the Lord has positioned those graces within our sphere, and so we've accessed them. I've accessed grace from Dr. Segi in a huge way in the past 10 years as an apostle of Christ in our city and from other grace gifts in the city of Durban as well. But my primary grace flow transfer comes from my father in the faith. Apostle Tamon, I do. Okay? So, notice, my true child. Tell your neighbor, be a true child. <laughs> There's a disposition in Timothy that says, I'm the genuine thing. I'm, I'm not fake. I'm a good son, a pure son. Then Paul says to him, if that is your position, grace, mercy, and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ be to you. Notice again, 2 Timothy 1, 2. 2 Timothy 1, 2. To Timothy, my beloved son, Grace, mercy, and peace. The true child, I like this, by the second book becomes the beloved son. In 1 Timothy, he writes to Timothy as a true child. By the time he writes his second epistle, Timothy now is a beloved. Something happened. The quality of the relationship went from almost what was technical to now what was really heart-driven. You are now my... It's similar to like the Lord, the Father saying of Jesus, you are my beloved Son in whom I am. Well, please. You know what really hit home to me? John Ali said the following. He said, many people are aware of the theory of fathers and sons, but very few walk into the heart relationship of the dynamic. Amen? So tell your neighbor, open your heart. I want now this entire church... If you're going to access a quality of grace, your connection must not just be theoretical anymore. Your connection to Renee, both Renee and I were fathers over you, must not just be, oh, we're here, we'll honor you. It must be from the heart. If you want, if you want grace, the quality of the relationship will determine the degree of the strength of flow of grace to you. Amen? A true son will always father, uh, honor fathers. Fathers in turn will honor their sons. And we want to commit to you both, Renee and I, commit to the house, that we will literally do, we will not spare anything and do, not hold back anything that we believe will be beneficial to all of you. As far as our resources can dictate, we will hold back nothing to position ourselves to be a blessing to you. Our hearts are wide open. I'll tell you never, so your heart must also be wide open. I'll show you the scriptures next week. I don't have time for that because of time. Just one or two more. Titus. Titus 1 verse. Titus was also one of 
Paul's strategic sons in the faith. Titus was the, like a bishop or an elder. I'll talk more about that. Over the whole city of Crete. He said, my son Titus, ordain elders in every city we have sent you. Right? Elders over cities, not elders over churches. That's another teaching altogether. To Timothy, my beloved... Sorry, Titus. Titus chapter 1 verse 4. Titus 1 verse 4. To Titus, my true child in the common faith, grace and peace. All I want to emphasize from these scriptures. Grace and peace is imparted to a son. Amen? The the flow is, is father to... Father to Son. Okay, let me get straight to the heart of the matter. I want to close with the text and then we'll wrap up. Ephesians chapter 1 verse 8. Chapter 1 from verse 1 to 8. Sorry, I gave you the wrong text. It's Philippians chapter 1 from verse 1 to 8. I want you to focus as we close. I won't say much about this text because of time. I will pick it up next week, and I want to go to the, context, to the Corinthian context to demonstrate to you about the, 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 the difference between a closed heart and an open heart to grace. You'll see it plainly laid out in the book of Corinthians. Watch what he says. Please, everybody focus on this as we close, because there's a very extremely important passage in the New Testament in reference to grace. Paul and Timothy. So people often say, Paul wrote the book of Philippians. Yeah, he accords co-authorship to his son in the faith. He says, Paul and Paul and Timothy. So Timothy, as in other epistles, there are two or three others, where the apo- Timothy, as a son, walked so closely with Paul, Paul had no problems according him credit for the contents of the document. This is when now, a son walks so closely with his apostolic father that the son begins to decode mysteries as well, like his father. What is given to the son, what is given to the father, the son, Elisha had a double portion of the anointing of the ministry of Elijah. Paul and Timothy, bond servants of Christ, Jesus, to all the saints who are in Christ Jesus, who are in Philippi, including the overseers and deacons. Who is he writing to? Gentle saints. Who is he writing to also? Overseers, which is the presbyteros, the eldership, or the bishopric, and all the deacons. He's writing to everybody in a whole city, everybody at Philippi. This father and son is writing. Then he says, Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. When a father... In the Lord says to you, grace to you. In your heart, what must you say? I receive. If I say to you, grace to you. I'm not just wishing you well. By the authority that God has given me, by a verbal pronouncement, I am imparting grace. I will show you the biblical basis for that in a later session. But for now, believe it. Receive it. Now, I don't take that lightly. Simple short statement. I have received, not a well wish. I'm not wishing you well. I'm not thanking you for what you've done. Apostle with authority said to me, you are blessed. You and your people are blessed. Remind your your neighbor, we are blessed people. I believe in verbal invocations of blessing. It's a very powerful economy in, in the Lord. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. And he said, verse 3, I thank my God. In all my remembrance of you. Uh, Tell your neighbor he means us. (laughs) You know, many of you, I really thank God for you. I think about you. You are credible people. And sometimes we feel so uh, privileged that God has put you in our lives as sons. But we feel the more privileged. We feel the more honored that that you are within our context. Amen. You know, there's some people you don't want to remember. Some people you remember, you get aches and pains immediately. Paul says about the whole, he's not writing to a local church like us. He's writing to a whole city full of groups of 50, multiple households. He's saying, when I think of you guys at Philippi, and you'll see why in a moment. He says, I thank God 
the moment anybody from Philippi enters my mind, my hands go up, thank you, Lord, for those people. He's talking as a father. So why, does, why did the Philippians have such a profound impact in the heart of Paul and Timothy? Always offering prayer with joy in every prayer for you all. In view of what? In view of your participation in the gospel, he says, from the first day of my ministry, even up to the present, you guys have partnered in a sense. The word is koinonia. You've you've, you've joined with me intimately. How do they do this? For I am confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will perfect it until the day of Christ Jesus. To no other church did Paul say these words. What is confident? Confident. If somebody is confident, are they ifs, maybes, maybe. When Paul says, for you guys, I am so assured, fully confident, that the work God started is actually going to reach perfection in Philippi. You're going to reach the objectives. You're going to come to the end. There's no ifs, maybes, misses with you guys. You guys, they're going to break the tape. You guys are going to come out strong. He says, I'm not wishing this. I know in Christ I am confident about this very thing. Everyone say four. And now here he is, his father's heart. I can see him weeping as he writes this together with Timothy. He says, for it is only right for me to feel, everyone say feel. If a father doesn't feel anything, he's not a father. We've got people that are cold, hurting people, leading the work of God. But a father has got an emotive content to him where the, the state of his people will affect him deeply. Now watch. It is only right for me to feel this way about you because I have you where? Not in my head. I have you in my heart. If you open mine and Renee's heart, you'll find all of you located there. Somewhere in there, there's all of you. Okay? Paul is saying, I have a whole city in my heart. Powerful words, eh? I have you in my heart since both in my imprisonment and in the defense and confirmation of the gospel, you are what? You all are partakers of what? You all are partakers of grace. With me. Next verse. For God is my witness how I long for you with all the affection of Jesus Christ. There was a longing. There was a heart impetus. And In this context, the Philippian church, look, look, look what it says. It says they partook, the, the, the Greek, the English word fellowship, you're partakers of grace with me. You saw in me, God put some grace in me for you. And you guys, not just now and then, watch, here's the challenge to all of you. Not just fleetingly, not in your highs and in your lows. He said from the first day of the gospel, even up to now, you are partakers of grace with me. I am confident that he will begin a good work in you. Hey, you're going to break the tape. You're going to, all your personal prophecies will come to pass. The destiny of God for your life at Philippi will come to, to pass. Can the church at Philippi access the grace of God without Paul? No. Grace given to me for you. The King James Version of the Bible, just, just put that up in King James Version. I think we have a King James Version on there. It says it slightly differently, verse 7. Verse 7 in the King James says, you all watch are partakers of what? My grace. Grace was given to me, and all of you recognized it, and you said, What God has packaged in that individual, I want. Right? So ask your neighbor, Well, how bad do you want it? Now tell them, Stay connected. Stay connected. To disconnect from grace is to disconnect from God. 
You were a partner with grace. He said, you are partners of the grace of God given to me. To the Ephesians, he says, this grace was given to me for you, Gentiles, the Ephesians. And I pray that the grace of God given to authentic men of God will be given to you. You know why this is so important? Do you know that you in your world are meant to be full of grace? As much as Thamon Aidu is a grace carrier, as much as Randolph Barnwell is a grace carrier, you, the recipients of grace, are grace carriers too. Tell your neighbor, you too are a grace carrier. And when you go into the business, when you go into your workplace, at school, you students, you, like Jesus, you must say, I am full of grace. And I can distribute grace wherever I am. Because how do I impart life? I impart life by speaking. And the words I speak are full of life. The words I speak are spirit, the component of which is grace. The words I speak are spirit and life. First Adam was a living soul, but the last Adam, Jesus Christ, and therefore me, his son, I'm in the same order. Wherever I go, I'm a life-giving spirit. But for you to give a life-giving spirit, what must your spirit be saturated with? Grace. Spirit of grace must fill your spirit with grace. Open your mouth. You release words full of grace. And the people that hear you receive the, the grace. One last scripture. 2 Corinthians 4.15. You'll see this clearly laid out. For all things are for your sakes. Paul says everything that happens is for you. And he makes this statement so that the grace which is spreading to more and more people will cause the giving of thanks to abound to the glory of God. Tell your neighbor, grace is spreading. All things are for your sake so that you too, when you become the recipients of grace, you are now going to spread this grace and the life of God will affect your world. You'll become a messenger of Christ, a representation of Christ in your world. And when people see you in the world, they will say, wow, this person working at this institution is the grace of God personified here. You can be the grace of God in your workplace. At your school, Lisa. Guess what? That school is so rich because you are there. That school is rich because grace is present. I want to say, tell you now, spread the grace. But you can't spread grace you haven't accessed. Right? Spread the grace. The whole intent, listen carefully. Paul is saying all things are for your sake. All the grace given to me is intended for you as a, as a destination. I submit to you today that you will be graceful and that you will impact your world with grace. Let me read the same text from the NIV. I don't think we have NIV. Just check. Not the NIV, the New International Revised Version as we close. All things are for your benefits and grace is reaching more and more people. Grace is reaching more and more people. Stand with me. Lift your hands to the Lord. Lift your hands to Him. Have, a, have an attitude, I receive, I receive, I receive, I receive. Something, it's intangible, I can't wrap my, I can't hold it, it's called the grace of God, the Spirit of God. It's going to make me who I am. It's going to cause me to be effective. All my needs will be well taken care of. The grace of God given to men. Heavenly Father, we receive your grace. I know that you are here. And I can really feel the Lord standing, walking among us. I know that you are here. Thank you for your presence. Thank you, Father, for the fact that you are here. As we have sung that you are good, good Father, we are your sons. And the Son is full of grace and truth. We position our hands before you. We lift up our hands and our hearts and we ask, grant to us increased grace. We look to you from up the depths of our hearts and we realize without your grace we will not make it. I thank you that many of our circumstances are going to alter because of the reception of grace. For what is works is not of grace, and what is grace is not of works. Father, we've tried so much to do this and that in our own strength, and we've not attained the desired outcomes. But now we look to you with our hands lifted up. 
I pray grace impartation to every life. Profound grace be imparted to every person in this room. To every family, to every marriage, to every business, to every workplace. Every young person at school, every, every, every older person at college. I impart the grace of life to your spirit even now in the name of the Lord Jesus. Great grace and peace be your portion in every single way. And may the grace that you receive now be spread to more and more people and everyone that comes into contact with you. Note this, says the Lord. They will regard the grace of God in you. They will not recognize you after the flesh, but they will know you after your grace content. For I will visibly manifest myself in and through your person, says the Lord. And great grace will now begin to attend the entirety of your life. The Lord says you will have need for nothing. The Lord says to us all, your needs are supplied within the economy of grace. You will have need of nothing. For my grace will be more than sufficient. Even in the moments of your own weakness, my grace is sufficient. My grace is enough. For when you are weak, then are you strong. And the God of all grace, after you've suffered a while, will make you strong, perfect you, establish you, settle you. In Jesus' name. Amen. Great grace and peace be to you all. Great grace be to you.